if you want to get results, you can't wait for them to happen. You have to take charge yeah. and you have to do the things that are going to help you not only set your goals, but reach your goals. Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey everyone, welcome back to another incredible, or in this case, I should say outstanding episode of For the Love of Money. I'm sitting down with my good friend and founder of Outstanding Foods, Bill Glazer. I'm so freaking excited that he's here. You're gonna love this episode. Not only is Bill just an outstanding individual, but he's an entrepreneur, a financier, and an investor who has raised, get this, over $200 million for different startups, including several of his own. I mean, can you imagine being able to raise $200 million, what you could do with your company? So we're going to talk about that and the other skill sets that it takes to be successful at this level. And speaking of success, he's been involved with two companies that have had nine figure exits and his current venture, Outstanding Foods, which I'm grateful to say he let me be an investor in. It's like a privilege to be an investor in this company. Outstanding Foods is a plant-based food company that creates tasty as hell products that everyone can love. Outstanding Foods makes nutritious snack foods that are plant-based, but they taste just like your own favorite foods that they replace. It's insane. So go check them out. Check out their pig out pigless bacon chips and their new pork rinds. You can check them out at outstandingfoods.com. Get ready to take notes, to tune in, to listen up because this episode is, well, outstanding. Billy, my friend, thanks for being on the show. How you doing, man? Well, I'm staring right at you. How could I be anything but outstanding? Oh my God. You know what's funny? I've been using that word for how long now? And every single time I use it around you, you're like, oh, that's the word. And I don't do it intentionally. And for people who are wondering what the hell I'm talking about, Bill's the founder of Outstanding Foods. It's just literally my word. Well, we, we you, you say I'm the founder of Outstanding Foods, but my secret of raising capital and developing relationships is finding other people's secret words and renaming our company so they feel connected to it. <laughs> That's what was going on. Okay. <laughs> Listen, we always kick these things off with rapid fire. It's a fun way for the listeners to get to know you in a hurry. And then we'll circle back around and do a deep dive on anything that comes up. Sound good? Let's do it. All right. Start real easy. Where'd you grow up? New York, NYC, baby. And uh, where actually, do you live now? Actually, I grew up in the suburbs of New York, but was always a city kid. And then my father worked in the city. I used to go to the city all the time. And I lived in Manhattan before I came out here to LA and I'm in, I'm in LA. I met my wife in New York, but she was the one living in LA. So I, I was the one that made the move. Ah, it's wait. Are you East Coast or West Coast fan now? I am an East Coast sports fan, okay. a West Coast weather fan, a West Coast harder fan yes. and, and a East Coast mentality. Best of all worlds. I feel like if you take that East Coast or Midwest, like grit mentality, you take it out here, you can dominate because people here are I don't want to say lazy. I just want to say they move slower. Yeah, I think in anything in life that it doesn't matter where you are. And it's not about comparing yourself to other people or doing things relative to other people. 
But if you want to get results, you can't wait for them to happen. You have to take charge yeah. and you have to do the things that are going to help you not only set your goals, but reach your goals. I can see how this is going to go because we've already failed at rapid fire. All right, here's the next one. <laughs> What's your favorite quote? Live like you're going to die tomorrow, but take care of your body and learn like you're going to live forever. Okay, this is going to be my fault that I'm about to take us off of rapid fire real quick with a tangent, but I met with a guy yesterday. His name's Christian Seal, really cool guy. You guys need to know each other, I just realized. He has what he calls terminal days, and it's related to what you just said. He goes, every once in a while, at least once a week, I, call, I claim a terminal day where I clear my schedule and I live like I was going to die at the end of the week and I do anything that I would have wanted to do. And well, he said I, this I, practice has changed his life. I, I hope that doesn't mean he goes to the gun range and instead of using the, <laughs> he becomes the target. He, he jumps out of planes without parachutes. He does all sorts of great things. Yeah, dogs. you know, I'm a, I'm a risk taker. I'm a, as an entrepreneur, you have to be a risk taker, but I'm a risk taker in all parts of my life and I like to challenge myself. And, you know, we often get comfortable thinking, well, I could do that tomorrow. Or I could do that next month or next year. And a lot of us have done that. I've done that in my life where things have gotten put off and, you know, sometimes they're months, sometimes they're years. But when you have that perspective that things take longer to do, then it, it changes your perspective because you see all the time mm -hmm. that you essentially wasted. Yeah. And you know, when, you, when you have that perspective, you don't want to waste your time. You want to maximize everything you could do in your life. And so like, to know that your mortality mm -hmm. is uncertain, we all know we're going to die. We don't know when or how. Yeah. And so when you, when you have that uncertainty of your mortality, it kind of creates more of a sense of urgency to live your life to the fullest. It, it really does. It's funny. We know we're going to die and we, we spend almost zero time actually living like we know we're going to die. It's so bizarre. Okay. We're going to try and get through this rapid fire. What's one of your superpowers? Uh, connecting with people and developing win-win relationships. I totally agree with that. You're so freaking connected. What's one of your favorite books? Uh, Peace is Every Step by Thich Nhat Hanh. I've never heard of it's that. It's one of the most practical books. Like we all hear about meditation and how we treat other people. It's one of the most practical books with tactics that are easy. You know, things like stopping at a red light and looking at the red light as a, as a bell of meditation and being able to take just a few deep breaths to center yourself and then just move on with your, your, your ride and then give people the finger after. <laughs> I don't think it says that in the book, but that... <laughs> I don't feel like that's a part that, of the that's, book. That's part of the East Coast edition. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The only released in New York. Yes. What's one thing you're challenged by right now? You know, I have daily challenges and, you know, a lot of people look at successful people. They look at famous people. They look at people that they think have it easy or think that they're privileged. But the reality is that, you know, a lot of us that have um, achieved success in anything in our life, and it doesn't necessarily always mean financial success, relationships, uh, you know, all, all types of um, achievements just about all of those achievements come with challenges, come with things that are difficult, come with interpersonal conflict. And uh, every single day I have challenges, some bigger, some smaller. Um, but, you know, part of my own practice is being able to reflect and saying, hey, what could I have done differently that, that day or in that instance um, to, over, to, to not only be a better person, but to learn from those challenges to figure out a way to overcome them and to navigate them um, to get to where I want to go. Because you, you, there's no such thing as just a smooth path or a straight upward line. Yeah. There's always bumps in the road or zigs and zags. Well, you almost led into my next question. And, and that is, 
uh, what is one of your all-time favorite accomplishments this far? Because you started that out by saying, listen, all your accomplishments come with these challenges. Yeah. So what's one of your favorite accomplishments? Uh, my daughter, without a doubt. Yeah, and my daughter, my, my daughter is six and a half, almost seven. And I was someone that had the perspective that I would love to be a dad. I had a couple of big dogs and, you know, that really prepares you well for having your own children mm -hmm. in a lot of ways because you're nurturing and a caretaker and you, you're teaching. But uh, I, was, I was someone that had the perspective that if I had a wife that wanted kids, I would be fine with it. And if I had a wife that didn't want kids, I would be fine with it. And when my wife wanted kids, I was looking for the perfect moment and I was waiting for this condition or that condition mm -hmm. and let me finish doing what I'm doing over here and then we can get to it. And then, you know, after a, a period of time, I realized, you know, I, if, if I'm continuing to set those conditions, I'm, con I'm continuing to wait for a moment that might never come. And so wow. I left it in and nine months later, got the greatest gift of my life, which was something that I didn't have. You know, it's often like we make decisions without having information or even the ability to relate to what we're deciding about. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was uh, having a child. I, you know, child, I could see other people. I'm an uncle mm -hmm. um, and how they, you know, are with their kids. But until I had my own, I didn't, couldn't possibly understand that connection, that relationship, that sleep deprivation, yeah. all, all the things that come with it. But, um, you know, without a doubt, you know, I had all kinds of roadblocks that I created. And when I cleared the deck, um, it was the greatest accomplishment I've ever made. Oh, I love that. You know, you know, Lori and I talk about having kids soon and I feel like we do what you were talking about. That is, we keep saying, oh, wait, let's do this one last thing left and then we'll get started, right? And, and we can't keep kicking that can down the road, like you said. So two more rapid fire questions. What's something uh, generous that you've recently done? Uh, well, I'm about to do. Uh, I live in a, in a high rise, you know, New mm -hmm. York style living, 40 mm -hmm. Uh, stories mm -hmm. and uh, tipping in the building is prohibited mm -hmm. except during holidays. And so I've been making my list. I've been, uh, you know, like the numbers keep going up because I appreciate the service there. I, every single day when I come or go from that building, I have a huge smile on my yeah. face. I'd like to think I have a huge smile on my face all the time. I but feel like you do. But, you know, honestly, like when you're around people that are giving great service, I appreciate it. It, 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 puts me in a great mood and uh, it's something I value and it's something that I'm about to uh, probably be more generous than, than they're expecting. Oh, I love that. I love that about you. Last but not least, what are you grateful for today? I'm grateful to be here. I mean, me I, too, like, man. you and I hang out a bunch, yeah. but to sit right across from you and stare in your eyes is something we don't oh, always gosh, have a chance to do. Here we go again. And I, you know, like I'm like, I've got the tingles. I've got, should we start you know, doing like, like, like staring meditation contest or something like that? I was doing that. You weren't doing it back. <laughs> now I'm feeling offended. It's because you got intense eyes. I'm, I'm intimidated <laughs> as you stare. All right, let's go a little bit deeper now. And I want to start with this random ass question. This June, you and I are climbing a mountain. What is it? 17 times or 20 times. Yeah. It's the equivalent distance of climbing Mount Everest. It takes about 35 hours of actual climbing to do. Why the hell are we doing this? Who's, who said we're doing it? Well, no, I'm I'm, well you're not backing no, out now. You know, I, I, like I said before, I like to challenge myself, right? And so I've, I never considered myself a runner. Yeah. And then I ran a half a marathon, then a marathon. I, I never thought I would jump out of a plane. I jumped out of a plane. Never thought I would uh, do all kinds of things. And I, I looked to find things to do. I did this event. It was in a different location than the one you and I were doing about two years ago. Mm -hmm. And I had the same question, like, why am I doing this? But it was uh, organized by Jesse Itzler, who mm -hmm. you know has done all kinds of 
physical challenges and other challenges in his life, which I'm inspired by. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I've hiked in here in, in Los Angeles, but they're usually 45 minutes to an hour. So yeah. when, you know, I heard, hey, let's do this, the equivalent distance of Everest, let's pack it in in a day and a half. And, and um, I'd never trained for anything like that. So I'm like, I'm going to do it yeah. and then figure out the rest. And, and then when it came about again and, and had an opportunity and you said, yes, I'm like, it, it's, it's fun to do those things where you're, you're challenging yourself, but where you're also have the ability to be supported and to offer support to people who are close to you. So yeah. I'm, I'm happy we're doing it together. So truth be told, I'm, I'm grateful and I'm excited that you wrote me into this thing. I'm also intimidated as heck to do this thing. Were you intimidated when it was coming up first time for you? I, I wasn't intimidated, but mm -hmm. the first time I did it, I, I didn't train for it. I, yeah. I didn't make the training a priority. So, so are all of our Sundays stairs sessions going to make a difference for me? They, they are going to make a difference, right, a good. much bigger difference than, uh, you know, I wish I had done those weekly stairs. It would have made a difference for me, but it, 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 I wasn't prepared for it. And a week before I was talking to my trainer at the time and I'm like, Man, I'm I'm like my I haven't even like ran, let alone hiked and and hiked that elevation. And he's like, just do some legs for the next few days and just go and crush it. And I, and that's what I did. And I I went even without using that as an excuse. And in my past, that would have been an excuse. I would have been right on the on the the email to cancel. Mm -hmm. But I don't like to do those kind of things anymore. Even if I wasn't ready, yeah. I I was ready in my mind. Well, how do you think that's translated into business for you? You being this risk taker, this adventurer, this, hey, if I sign up, I'm doing it, even if I'm not ready. How's that translated into business? Well, I think you, know, you start with the mindset, right? And so like a lot of people will look at a race or look at a business or look at you know, the tactical things that they need to do to accomplish the, the tasks or, or the ultimate goal. But if you don't have the right mindset, you're going to talk yourself out of those things. So it's easy to you know, come home from work at night and say, I'm too tired to work out. Or it's easy to say, I, you know, like I have other things to do or my daughter needs my attention or this or that. But the reality is there's always time if you make the time. And so that's part of the mindset. And so going into any challenge, the mindset of the belief that you could do it, and then you figure out the action steps and, and figure out, you know, how you're going to be prepared for it, but without making preparation also something that uh, gets in the way of you achieving it. A becomes lot of times, prohibitive, yeah. yes, or yeah. the excuse, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. There really is a fine line that you have to walk between jumping and building your wings on the way down, and at least having some common sense preparation in there. That's right, but it, it, it also like measuring what you think is common sense because a yeah. lot of times, you know, most of us, our reference point is our experience, and if you want to grow and you want to evolve, you, your experience is the things you've done in your past. The growth is the things that you're going to do. And if you and if you think the things that you're going to do that you've never done before relative to the things you've done, I know that might sound a little confusing, yeah. but yeah. You're, you're you're using your old ways to try to do the new things, and, and that's who you impossible. were back then, and you're a totally different person now. That's right. So you have to you have to actually think from a different perspective, but it starts with the belief. And if you believe something, and if you believe you could do it, even if you've never done it, even if you think it's the wildest, craziest idea you've ever heard. If you start with the belief, then you're a big way, a long way to actually doing that thing. That's fat. Okay, give me another example of another time in your life, business or not, I don't care, where you had no idea what the hell you were doing, but you had the belief and it totally worked out. I mean, it happens just about every day. I mean, I, you know, there's always things that I do that I've not done, but I mean, uh, running a marathon, like literally, I, I, 
Um, I used to get sore knees after running for three hours. And I did a- That's because you were running for three hours. Uh, well, you know, sorry. get sore knees after three running for miles. three miles. Yeah, oh, three, three miles. miles, okay. Three miles, I was like, yes. who the hell would get sore knees <laughs> from running for three hours? That's right. Now at three, at three miles, I'm like, oh, how could you get sore knees? But I used to get sore knees no matter what. Even when I was younger, uh, at three miles, that was my breaking point. And then I did a class in Los Angeles a while ago called Barry's Boot Camp, which yeah. is one of these treadmill waist yep. class. And the instru- I told the instructor, I-, I usually can't run, can't run on treadmill for any lengthy period of time. He looked at my form and he said, well, of course, you're taking these giant thunder steps. Of course, you're going to hurt your knees. Mm-hmm. And he helped adjust my form. And then once he adjusted my form and I was gliding instead of thumping, then I not only didn't get the knee pain, but then, it, it, then, it, then I got the, the motivation to say, well, what's next? And like I said before, I, I did a half a marathon, then I did a marathon. When I did the marathon, training for a marathon is pretty intense. Mm-hmm. I didn't train as much as I should have trained. And I was in the same situation that I, I was underprepared physically, but, and I, and I actually even injured myself three weeks before the marathon. I was getting chiropractic treatment. I strained the sacroiliac joint and was literally limping up until the, the day before the race. But I showed up, it was a New York marathon. I, I showed up and I'm like, I'm doing this. And then, uh, my mindset got me not only to the starting line, but in the first mile of the race, it was uphill on the Verrazano Bridge, and I started getting shin splints. And I didn't even train for hills. I Dang. grew up in New York, but didn't really anticipate the hills yeah. that New York has. And I got shin splints in the first mile. And so that race was one of the most uh, mind-challenging things, not physically challenging, yeah. but mind challenged because I'm in the first race. I was limping for three weeks right before the race. And I, I, if, the only way for me to finish was to believe I could finish and overcome the things and not talk myself out of it by saying, my shins are hurting, my hip is hurting, this is hurting, I'm cold, I'm this, I'm that. And just keep going, but keep going with the positivity that I'm going to feel fine, I'm going to make it happen, and, I'm gonna, and it's all going to be worth the, the effort and the pain. Yeah, that's incredible. I love that. I want to back it up a bit. And uh, I want to take it back to, I think it was your first year out of college. You started a company and you made something like a million dollars worth of sales in the first few weeks. Is that right? That's right. How in the heck? Okay. You got to tell us that story because a million dollars when you just got out of college, I'm going to make an age joke here, <laughs> is like 10 million today. <laughs> All right. How did you, no, seriously, how did you start a company and make a million dollars a few weeks out of college? So I saw a need in the market. There was a shortage of this particular. It was U.S. flags during a patriotic war that was during happening flag day. during Flag Day, <laughs> and the manufacturers of flags at the time weren't geared up to meet the the demand that was coming from this war, wow. right? And so I saw a need, and I did the research on how the flags were made. I contacted every flag manufacturer in the U.S. and ironically, a lot of these were made in China. Yeah. Um, U.S. flags made in China yeah. with a nice you know, made in China sticker on it. But I, I saw a need. I did the research. I found all the companies that made them. And then I realized that if I'm going to be able to participate in this market trend, I have to make them myself. So I researched all of the materials they were made from, found a silk screener and a group to assemble the flags mm-hmm. and then started marketing them. And I use fax marketing, very simple. You talk about aging myself and, you know, fax, which I Is that like an email blast only you blast it to everybody's fax machines? Yes, but but you're probably thinking the ones that you use e-fax and you're using it online. This was a fax. You actually had to push the buttons 
This one was, number at a time. One number at a time. So you, to do a blast, you're entering hundreds of phone numbers. Well, you're entering one at a time. You're waiting for the ring. Then you're waiting oh. for that beeping sound. The and then, imagine. you know, you have to wait for the facts to go through and then that's done and you're doing another. And I did that literally round the clock for days. Mm-hmm. And so I said, it was very simple. It was, I knew that there was a shortage in demand. So I didn't have to say anything about our flags being better than other people's flags. Mm-hmm. It was, we have U.S. flags in big, po- in big print. It's basic as marketing gets. That's right. Because you, you have to understand what your, mar- what your value proposition is and what, uh, the market is looking for, right? And so I knew the market was looking for flags. They weren't looking for flags that were five cents cheaper. They weren't looking for flags that were made from gold. They weren't mm-hmm. looking, they were looking for flags. Mm-hmm. We have flags. And so I got a, a million dollars worth of purchase orders in, in about three weeks. Wow. I was, you know, jumping up. I was probably about 23 and, you know, was seeing my future of that million turning into tens of millions of sales, turning into all these things that I thought in terms of materialistic yeah. things were, were things that were going to make my life better. much, much yeah. better. And I had borrowed money from my father to finance the cost of the flags, uh, the flags and the materials. And then um, I got the first sample order before they were shipped to these customers that were, that were placing the orders. And everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Oh, no. The flags had glue on the sticks. Oh, the red. I, I don't. If people are watching this, they could see your shirt. Your, yeah. they were much brighter than your shirt. Oh, no, they were like fluorescent red. <laughs> they they were cut unevenly, and so I, I had to tell the manufacturer, "Don't ship out to this company that placed about one hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of the million. Wow. And uh, my all of those dreams were dashed in a second, and. Uh, that was something that I had to deal with all the challenges and all the fallout because, you know, one, I, I, in my mind, I, I had this illusion that I was always uh, already successful. And so counting the money already. I, I, yeah, I, I, I was counting the money. I was spending the money. So I had to deal with many, many things, uh, how to, um, speak to my father who I only sold him on the potential benefits Mm -hmm. rather than explaining the risk. So I learned that when you're raising money, don't Ah. just talk about the benefits, talk about the risk. When you're raising money from family and friends, it's, it's okay to accept money from family and friends, but because you have a relationship, you should be very clear that while you're expecting things to do well, you could lose all your money and only invest if you're prepared for that. Because you don't, conflict is unavoidable. Right. It, conflict isn't, isn't necessarily about the circumstances. They're often about the perception of the circumstances mm-hmm. and how people feel rather than the actual you know, uh, um, things that unfold and, and how responsible or not responsible you were in explaining those. But I learned for me that I needed to explain not just the potential good things, but also the potential risks. I also learned that while I was very good at marketing and understanding how to sell, that I needed to be better at creating a product and having a product that I felt confident before I sold it. Fascinating how this all of a sudden relays into like what you're doing today. These lessons that you learned 25, 30 years ago, they, you're using them now as you build outstanding foods. Yes. And, and like a lot of things, while they're, being, while they're unfolding in front of your eyes, you're pissed off. You've, yeah. you're, you're, you feel like 
your dreams have, have come crashing down. But the reality, I'm, I'm very, very grateful for that and many other experiences that didn't go the way I expected because they all became learning experiences. And they, they became learning experiences not because of the actual experience, but because I was open to learning from them. That is fascinating. Okay, you're giving like so much value here. I, I absolutely love it. So let's fast forward to present day. You've taken all those lessons, all those muscles that you built through the challenges and everything. And, and you are the founder of Outstanding Foods as we opened this thing up with saying. It's one of the hottest vegan food companies on the market right now. Congratulations. And part of this stemmed from you being a nearly lifelong vegan. Am I right? Well, I'll take that because I've been vegan for about 30 years. So yes, I'm, okay. all right, that all makes right. me about 30. I'll take so it. So what made you a vegan for 30 years long before this was, let's say, trendy? So for me, I didn't know what vegetarian or vegan was or even plant-based 30 years ago. I... Prior to that, in my childhood, I'm a visual person, so I would visualize what was on my plate. Mm -hmm. And I would visualize if I saw a wing or a leg or a head of a fish with an eye staring back at me, I would know what it was and I would see the animal. And I had no awareness of how animals were treated at the time being raised for food. I had no awareness of health issues, certainly no awareness of how animal agriculture impacts the environment. Mm -hmm. I was just grossed out by seeing a wing and an eye on my plate. Because you really saw the whole animal. Yes. Because you're so visual. Yes. And That's so fascinating. I, throughout my childhood, I stopped eating the meats that reminded me of the animal. Yeah. And the last thing to go was beef. And I used to eat steaks and, and prime rib and all those things. But even those I cut out because I didn't want to see the bone. So I was literally eating. I was a burger uh, addict. I was, I mean, I, literally every day I was eating some kind of burger. I went And when I decided that, eating burgers every day is not going to be healthy for me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what vegetarian was. I just gave up the meat and became vegetarian. And then I had to you know, search for what do I eat instead of the meat. I had tofu for the first time mm-hmm. in a Korean market in New Probably York City. Probably not a lot of options back then like there are today, especially mm-hmm. living in California. That's right. Very, very few options. I, I, I remember even getting a mail order from this product that was like a powder that you put water in and it was trying to be like ground beef. It was from Archer, Archer Daniels Midland, you know, one of the big food producers, but it was horrible. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, over those 30 years, I had thought about doing a plant-based food company, but one that didn't, wasn't a preach to the choir company that wasn't just selling vegan food to vegan consumers, but was making it easier for anyone to eat more plant-based foods. And to do that, I needed to have a, partner or co-founder that had the sensibility of being able to create delicious tasting foods that just happened to be plant-based. And that's how I started Outstanding Foods with my co-founder who formerly led product development at Beyond Meat for over four years. Chef Dave. Chef Dave. I love it. Okay. So let's talk about the philosophy that you just brought up. You're not out there, you know, spray painting people's fur coats and saying you'd stop eating meat. You're just trying to make the options so damn appealing that there's a reduction overall in eating animal products, which helps the world in a multitude of ways. Do I have that right? Yes. You know, I, I think like everyone could relate to politics or religion or diet as well, where people have their views and they're not open to hearing other people's views. They're, they're, what they often do is make other people's views wrong to try to impose their views. And that never works. You just have people fighting and arguing, which, you know, if you turn on the news, that's all you see, right? Mm-hmm. And so diet is one of those categories where if you make someone wrong for the choices they make, they're not going to be invited into your dialogue. They're going to only resist and dig in and defend why they've made those choices. So you you can't make someone wrong for the choices they make if you're trying to give them other choices. 
you, you have to understand that. And especially for in my own life, I evolved from eating meat to plants. So I understand wh- why people eat meat. And I understand in our culture, it's been so prevalent. But if our message, we don't even use the word vegan, we mm-hmm. lead with taste. Yep. And we want to provide food products that taste great, that are nutritious, that just happen to be plant-based, yeah. not eat these just because they're plant-based. That's so smart. So I'm marching down the snack food aisle. I see pig out chips or I see the pork rinds. I'm like, oh, those are good. I eat them. I've never considered being a vegan, but because I like them so much, the idea is, oh, I'm going to go back and see what else these guys offer. Is that kind of the idea? Yeah, that's right. And you know, we are. You mentioned the pork rinds. We have a, a new product that might be out by the time this airs called our under our pig out brand, Pigless Pork Rinds. They're high in protein. They have seven grams of protein per ounce. Yeah. Our full-size bag has 25 grams of protein, which is more protein and fewer calories than two Cliff Bars. So we're shifting a paradigm yeah. of salty snack foods that are usually wasted calories, empty calories. You just get a bomb of salt and fat, but you don't usually get nutrition in snack foods. So we're keeping the taste. We're keeping the saltiness, although lower salt, but we're giving you nutrition, in this case, protein and other nutrients. So instead of eating snack foods just to keep yourself busy or as a distraction or even just for you know your, your enjoyment, you actually can enjoy it, really enjoy the flavor of our products, but also get protein. You could even eat our product instead of an energy bar or a protein shake after you work out. It's become uh, you know, literally one of my all-time favorite things to turn to for snack foods. So what's been the toughest part and what's been the best part about getting this company off the ground? I mean, there's challenges every day. So part of those could be with external relationships. We had a a challenge with a manufacturer that didn't go so well that we had to change manufacturers. I often find myself reflecting, like I said, is is a practice of mine and how I talk to our team and how I talk to our vendors and how I speak to our investors. And, you know, a lot of times I'm course correcting because I'm observing and sometimes it's from feedback from other people. Sometimes I see myself, you know, react um, where, you know, I'll set a policy out of a reaction. And um, after, you know, reflecting, I'll go up to my team as an example and say, you know, that policy was because I was reacting and it wasn't because of anything you guys have done Mm -hmm. and take ownership of that Mm -hmm. and um, uh, move forward from there. And and so like nothing, nothing as small or as big as it is, as gets is ever fatal is ever a roadblock to me. If you're, if you're not paying attention to those things, then you can sink deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole. But when you have awareness, those things are an opportunity to learn. They're an opportunity to grow. They're an opportunity for me to be a better manager, a better uh, employer, uh, and embed- a better uh, person in the relationships that I have with our investors, with our vendors, with our suppliers, and of course, with our customers. Yeah. Okay. So this show talks a lot about generosity and you know doing good things. And, and matter of fact, our tagline is when good people make good money, they do good things. Do you believe that starting a company that is based around better for you foods, and then as a side effect, makes the world a, a healthier place, so to speak, you know, literally physically the world a healthier place. Do you believe that falls underneath this umbrella of generosity? Without a doubt. So I think, you know, there's a lot of, once you, once you figure out how to make money mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur, you could apply that to any business, Anything. right? Yep. So, you know, if you know how to raise money, how to hire, how to manage, how to market, how to sell, how to create great products, 
the product is interchangeable, right? That product could be a food product. That product could be an alcohol drink. That product could be a variety of things, right? And so once you are adept at creating and building value in a company, then all those pieces are interchangeable, but you have a choice over the kind of products that you want to be a part of, right? So for me, I want to be part of products that help people become more healthy, that inspire them to be successful, that inspire them to lead uh, a life that uh, is 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 more of you're leaving, you're giving rather than you're taking. And I want to uh, be have products that can not only make people healthy, but that we could use part of our sales to uh, 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 to set up social programs where we're either donating money to charity that are aligned with the values of our company and our customers, uh, where our customers can feel good not only by buying healthier foods that are that taste great, yeah. but knowing that that part of the money that they're using to buy those products are also going to good causes that they that they relate to. It's incredible. You know, I know that you and I share the common ethos of giving and generosity. And you know, you and I have been two pencils of promise <laughs> together, supporting them to, to the gala and one of your, your big investors is Tim Sykes, who's been on the show, actually, and yeah. who is one of the biggest philanthropists you could ever be out there. So tell me, is there a correlation in today's world with companies between generosity and success? Is it almost a prerequisite to have a give back component to be successful in today's economy? Well, I, I think it's got to be authentic. And I think it starts with the founders, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, you just mentioned Tim Sykes. Tim Sykes made a post recently about what things were important to him mm-hmm. previously and what's important to him now. The previous were the, yeah, were the, the Lamb- cars and all that. Yes. And the yeah. now is the Karmagawa, which is his charity and the, yeah. all the schools that he supported and literally donated millions of dollars. And, and you know, that brings him more happiness than a, than a car, right? And so for me, I, I used to live when I was in my 20s and, and had my first success and made my first million before I was 30. I was very much into the toys Mm -hmm. and had, you know, just about everything like a guy has on his checklist. And I found I wasn't fulfilled and I still like nice things, but I want to be fulfilled and I want to be fulfilled. And that fulfillment doesn't come by acquiring things. Mm -hmm. That that fulfillment comes by giving things. And we're, as entrepreneurs, we can give personally. We could Mm -hmm. also give through our business. And so as a company and as an entrepreneur, as a founder that recognizes that, when you put a social program aligned to your business, to your products, that in and of itself doesn't make your company more successful. It makes it might make you feel good, but if you're using it just as a marketing ploy to get people to buy your shit, yeah. then people see through that. Yeah. But if it's authentic and you believe that uh, you want to use the revenue that you're generating from your company for, for good causes then people also see that and they see the authenticity in that and they want to be part of that rather than being questioning your 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 ethos or your values. It's amazing. I love that. Do you feel like it's a rite of passage that we almost have to go through? I, I've done the same rite of passage. I talked to so many people on the show where they're like, at first it was about the cars and the girls or the this and the that, that you know, money made it more appealing. And all of a sudden they realized it was not fulfilling and they shifted into this uh, realization that the fulfillment comes from making impact and, and you know, moving the needle for human beings. Is that a rite of passage that we almost have to go through to get to that point? Or do you think there's some people just born from day one that are going to be that way? Well, I think 
we all need to fail to succeed, right? People are often afraid of failing. Failing is something that, you know, in our culture, people, we talked about judgment before. And so, you know, most people support the baby that's crawling, that's learning to walk. And when it stands up and then falls down, they're very supportive about, oh, you're keep going. You're going to learn to walk. But it's almost right after that baby learns how to walk, it's don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. Yeah. Oh, how could you get a how could you get a C on your grades? How could you get this? How could, the judgment is pretty heavy in our in our culture. And so because people get judged and they get shamed and embarrassed and humiliated from that judgment, they often are afraid to actually put themselves out there and take a risk because they're afraid not of the of the thing that they want to do. They're afraid of the consequences of people's judgment. Mm-hmm. And so you need to have failure to succeed. And if you don't choose to take those risks, then you're going to live a life that's very, very flat. You're going to live a life that's very, very, uh, that lacks fulfillment, that lacks excitement, that lacks, you might avoid things that other people are stressed out of or, or other people find challenging, mm. but those are where you learn. Those are where you grow. Those are, those are, those are the, the lessons that are right in front of you. And if you avoid those, whether it's about how to be an entrepreneur and give, or whether it's about uh, you know, blowing out your knee. If yeah. you're, you know, being afraid of blowing out your knee, if you're trying to run a marathon, you're going to hold yourself back from experiences. And what is life? Life is a collection of experiences yeah. that we have one after another. And if you hold yourself back from having experiences, you're holding yourself back from living your life to the fullest. Yeah, I could talk to you for hours, which is why we hang out and do talk for hours. <laughs> I just, I love everything that you talk about, everything that you represent. Where can we follow you and where can we follow Outstanding Foods? So Outstanding Foods is at Outstanding Foods on Instagram and we're Outstanding Foods on Facebook. I'm at Bill Glazer, G-L-A-S-E-R on Instagram and some of the other things. What do you call those? Social media? Social media. I, yeah, something I have, to, like that. I have to get... More importantly, where can we buy Outstanding Foods, like pig out chips and all that? Well, our pig out chips are in Sprouts, they're in Whole Foods, they're in uh, retailers across the country. Our plant-based pork rinds that are under our pig out brand... We're launching them in January, so it could be right around when this is coming out. They'll be in retailers around the country progressively, but you can go to pigoutrinds.com. And for your listeners, Chris, and your viewers, we're going to be giving away four bags, snack size bags of one of each flavor. We have four flavors. Yes. All for free. You just pay a small shipping and handling fee, and we're going to send you four snack size bags of our new Pig Out Rinds. And you could... Tear those things up and totally just enjoy free. them. Just pay for shipping. Just pay for shipping. I love that. One, thank you. Two, where, where, how, how can they get that again? Pigoutrinds.com. Okay, pigoutrinds.com. We'll make sure we put the link in show notes. Go to show notes, go to pigoutrinds.com and get your free four bags of snack size you know, tasters on these rides. They're amazing, by the way. I've had them. They're, yes. They're my new go-to favorite snack, especially because of like the high protein, you know, great macronutrients piece of it, but it just tastes so damn good. Yeah, All right. You, well, you, I love that. Thank you, you, man. If you like spice, we have one called Hella Hot. Yes. That's one of the flavors. That one was a little too Hella Hot for me. Well, it, it, it might make you sneeze. It might make you tear. Yep. But yep. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm it hoping- It definitely lives up to its name. Well, I, if, if you guys buy, get that four pack, then I'm going to shed some tears out of happiness. So. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. So make sure that you go to, one more time. Pigoutrinds.com. Pigoutrinds.com. Get your four free bags. Just pay shipping. That is the coolest thing ever. Thank you for doing that. So one last question for you, Bill. Why should people be unapologetic about their pursuit of success? Well, I think success, people often associate just as money, right? And a lot of people have issues around money. 
And they think that if you're making money, it's, it's being, someone else is, is Missing. losing out the yeah. opportunity. And look, you could be someone that is successful on paper where you make a lot of money and you're the biggest asshole and you're yeah. buying only, you know, like all the toys and you're, and that, that lifestyle is not sustainable. You're not going to be happy. And the people around you are going to know you're not happy. But if you're succeeding, success isn't just about money and you can make a lot of money and there's nothing wrong with making a lot of money. We all enjoy living a nice lifestyle. If you're charitable, you have more money to give to charity. Mm -hmm. You could char you could travel the world and when you travel, you you not only get inspired by other cultures, but you could see other yeah, things that need improvement and, about and what's needed. Yes, and use your money for for all those positive things. But you know, success is is living your life to the fullest, and it's about taking risks, and it's about doing the things that you have passion for and love and want to do, and not holding yourself back. And so, success to me is not necessarily just about how much money you make, not necessarily about achieving a goal. But success is about taking the risks and getting there, getting the fuck off the couch, yeah. get, turn the TV off, go out and do something, go start a business, go, go for a run, go climb a mountain. It doesn't have to be 29,000 feet like Chris and I are doing, <laughs> but success is, is doing things that you would often hold yourself back from. Mm -hmm. And when you do those, then you're going to, you're going to have the motivation and the inspiration to, to do, to do them to a different extreme. You're going to take it further and you're going to be more excited about doing other things and living your life to the fullest. That's what success is. Man, so well said. I love that. Bill, thank you so much for, for coming by today, for doing the show, for most importantly, just offering up so much inspiration and, and how-to and tips. I know that everyone's going to leave this episode far better off than when they first started it. So thank you, my friend. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.